the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab for the week of August 8th, 2005. Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab number 10. I'm Dave Hamilton from the Mac Observer, of course. I'm here with John Braun, and we're doing our 10th show. Welcome. Ten. I know. It's a milestone. It should be a milestone. And you're here with us to celebrate it. They all are. What prizes do we have to give away to celebrate this, Dave? Um, I don't think we have any prizes. (laughs) Oh, okay. Do you have prizes? No. Did you buy them something, John? We could. (laughs) No. Okay, so... Maybe Did you get the them all 20th. T-shirts on your vacation? Uh, on my vacation? Well, no. Oh, and you know that was a point of discussion, you know? Do I need to wear a T-shirt that says Nantucket? What purpose could this serve? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, mandatory. It advertises the fact that I've been there, but then what else? And it's like, you know, if you pay me to advertise the island, sure. But <laughs> Did you try and strike a deal with the Chamber of Commerce? Uh, no. No, oh. I didn't. I mean, I, I have enough t-shirts from trade shows to last me forever <laughs> yeah well they're <laughs> yeah definitely you know yeah. that, that, those i'll take because you know some of them you know they're they're pretty destroyed so yeah you know good for cleaning up messes and stuff like but also wearing for the nicer that's companies. right so anyway so vacation yes so very nice vacation that's good on this island they do have internet um so a few things came up that was interesting. One is that we got to this place. It's a uh, you know ha- a family house, and we got to try to figure out how things work. So one of the first things is that there's a wireless space. It's like oh boy, this That's is great. Good. You know, I look at it. It's a ViewSonic. Don't they make monitors? That's what I thought. And I looked at the uh, and I found the receipt for it. So so things can you know connect to it and it needs a password. It's like okay, nobody wrote down anywhere what the password is. You know, pretty nice. trivial matter to find out what it was right you know i tried you know some of the usual ip addresses you know 192 and, and all that stuff there. and then i found the manual for it and i think at, at the point where i stumbled across the right one okay. and they did have a page where it spelled it out in uh i think it was 40-bit hex which as we spoke of in the past is you know not the greatest but then there wasn't big concerns that any of the neighbors would be uh hacking in so right. uh, uh, 40-bit hex is probably better than than most and the nice part about 40-bit hex and of course now i'll give away the uh the secret is with 40-bit hex, you can actually use your 10-digit phone number as your password, which is great. If you're trying to set someone like grandma or, mm-hmm. you know, the, the dry cleaner down the street, if you're helping them out trying to set them up with wireless access, use mm-hmm. their 10-digit phone number. It's something, and it's, you know, not a – at least it's not their name, right? So it's something that they will always remember. So area yes. code and phone number, at least in the U.S., it works. So there's that's you know one one thing for forty bit hex, right? Yeah. The the uh, of course the security experts out there are shaking their fists. Oh, in the, anger oh, they're shaking their fists in anger at me right now. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And I and I, well deservedly. I I I, I, I I'll, I'll take all the flames that I can get. Actually, you know what? Don't don't send them. I know. I'll flame myself. How about how about that? I consider this flaming pre flamed. That's right. Pre pre flammatory okay. comment, right? You wore your asbestos uh, shorts today. Well, I'm hoping I don't have to put them on. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, 
So anyway, so we, uh, you know, we did find that, uh, you know, eventually there was a screen that had four ones that were all do the same thing. So, so we're all cool with this. Now, the, you know, it wasn't, I don't know if I'd say cheap. Well, yeah, I'll say, but, you know, I mean, I looked at it and it, Chintzy? I think it was like, tw- kind of, but here's the weird thing. So I got the password. I mean, no, I mean, it, it had the configuration screen. No, it had all the, all the features okay. you'd expect. But okay. the, the weird thing, which I couldn't figure out, and this could have been physics, is, you know, I was maybe 20, 30 feet away from it, and I barely got a connection. And, and the weird thing is I would connect to it. It would then negotiate the IP address. When I connect to it, it had four bars. Now, this is a uh, titanium, uh, I'm okay. sorry, aluminum. Power book, okay. Um, metal case, which uh, introduces some issues for wireless performance. Yeah, um, it would connect initially, and then once I got an IP address, it would drop down to like one bar. And it was like, what, ah, what well, do you do? I, so, I have, I have, I might have the answer there. You know, and I, I suspected you would because it, it, it was something. It was quantifiable. It was predictable. Yep. I didn't spend. I mean, it was good enough, but I didn't spend the time to go in the base station and see if there was something weird. It was doing like resetting the power or whatever. Uh, you're, you're running Tiger, correct? Yes. And you're running 10.4.2? Mm-hmm. I believe from 10.4.1 and onward. And if I'm wrong, please, please correct me. Mm-hmm. And I know you will. Um, I, I believe with, now, with at least with the current version of Tiger, the, the number of bars you get with your airport connection mm-hmm. does not necessarily tell you the signal strength itself. It tells you the speed at which you're transmitting data, be it... It, let's say it's a, it's an 802.11b base station, right? So it's 11 uh-huh. megabits or I think five and a half or two and a half or one. And I believe that's the scale. And I, if I'm, I, I, I might be wrong, but I, I think that's what the four bars now mean. Uh, obviously, that's related to signal strength, right? Because it, if your signal strength is weak, you're not going to be able to transmit data as quickly. But I think that's what it is. So perhaps the device was, for whatever reason, throttling it down and could be a chintzy device or misconfigured or who knows what. But I, I, I'm, I'm 99% certain now that the bars uh, indicate speed, uh, transmission speed and, and reception speed, of course, and not necessarily signal strength directly, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, there was – yeah. I don't know if I agree with it, but it, uh, it no, makes I, sense. I think it's true. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I remember reading that somewhere with I think it was Mac Fixit actually, um, where, they, where they were talking about how it, I think it was te- the ten four one update that that, mm. uh, that made that change. So yeah, so uh, could could be to, though to me that would be at least in my personal book would be uh, bad because it's like unexpected behavior. Yes, you know it looks like a signal strength meter. Yes. So anyways. Um, the thing is, uh, two of the other machines that were here, uh, one was an iBook, and that didn't have problems, but it was also running uh, 10.3, so mm-hmm. maybe that explains it. Well, I think uh, in 10.3 it was signal strength, so yeah. that may be your, the difference yeah. there. Yeah. And then we had a Dell, and the Dell, which was about as close as my machine and it had wireless, um, yeah. was showing like good signal strength, like yellow, which yeah. is weird because it was you know really in like the next room over. So I think it was a combination of things because materials can also – freak out and also this thing was very low you know well, it was on a table it had one antenna not two diver- you know diversity antennas like the uh the well, linksys which now wait a minute was it a, a wireless g base station or a b base station um i think everybody was g so i don't think that oh. was an issue okay all right because that could have been part of it but you know multiple machines connecting can interfere with one another you know with all the mm-hmm. all the radio waves bouncing around so you never yeah. know 
So we hooked up to it. And then the other thing, which is just a handy tip for those who are traveling, and this happens not only if you're on vacation and you have access, but you don't know the details about it, but also if you're um, you know, a hotel or something like that, is to send email. You need an SMTP server that will accept your connection. And, of course, since I was on a different network, I think you know normally I'm on uh, Optimo Online, and this was... I think Comcast has a presence. Um, uh, yeah, they're they're big here in New England. Uh, that's who I've got here at uh, at TMO Towers East. So, uh, yes. <laughs> how are the towers doing? Oh, the towers are are holding up just fine. I was actually doing some work on them this this uh, this weekend, okay. being Joe homeowner. So, okay, um, yeah, I just want to make sure you're getting that new, uh, you know, uh, uh, Lamborghini. The, the, no, 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 oh. no, not the five car garage. Though. Anyways, <laughs> tell me more about the towers later. But yes. the other thing is that usually, you know, SMTP servers on one network don't like to accept traffic from people on another network, which is a good thing because then you get more spam than you already get. But it's, yeah. you know, a limitation. Most of them will check and say, I don't know who you are. Go get lost. Yeah. So what you have to do is figure out. And this is can be difficult. Um, the thing is, is that, like, for example, this was Comcast. I think it was Comcast.net. So I went in the appropriate place in Eudora. And usually you can try a couple things. You know, usually it's mail or SMTP, and I think I got lucky. I think it was smtp.comcast.net. I believe that's that's correct. But if if it's not, the the other things that you can try if you're traveling, once you know the network that you're on, and we can talk about a little uh, one way of finding that out. Once you find it out, find the top level domain and the and the the primary domain, right? The, the Comcast.net mm-hmm. or OptOnline.com or Charter.net or whatever it happens to be. Once you know what that is. Then try, like John said, either smtp.comcast.net because you're looking for the SMTP or Simple Mail Transport Protocol server, or you can simply try mail.comcast.net or dot whatever. So that's uh, that's that. Now, as far as finding out what it was, how did you do it? Mm. Um, well, the first thing I did is that I used one of uh, one of my favorite widgets. Um, my goodness, there's so many widgets out there. I think we cleared a thousand, right? I heard something somewhere. Yeah, ten thousand, or at least Apple said so. Yeah, was it ten thousand or a thousand? No, I think a thousand. Okay, that's, that's pretty good. Um, but I used uh, Sysstat, which is uh, a very nice widget we've talked about in the past, and we'll provide a link to it. But it shows you, among other things, your external IP address. Um, yep. Which a lot of times, if you just look in the network control panel, it'll show you the local one, which is usually a non-routable one, which is not one you're going to get yep. results for. So you look up, you find the external IP address by whatever means. I use and Sysstat. There, there is I another a, way. Uh, if you don't have Sysstat, what you're looking for is your IP, and you can always go to whatismyip.com. Ah, uh, cool. And, and that will always tell you your external IP, or at least most of the time. So however you find it, go ahead. Yeah. And basically what I did on that was, uh, you know, looked at that address and then brought up a terminal window. Okay. And did a... Uh, there's also a, a network utility and utilities folder you could use for this as well, but I like terminal. Terminal is easy use, for this, yeah. And I did. Uh, well, there's a few things you could do. I still use NSLOOKUP, even though it warns you that it's going to be deprecated and stuff like that. But there's dig, and there's a there's a well, dig, quite a few if you, commands. If you do dig, it won't give you the information. It, it, dig doesn't give you the uh, the name. Nope, dig doesn't give you the name. So what 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 okay. we're talking about is commands in the terminal. And yes, this gets geeky, but well, heck, we're the geek gab, right? We're supposed yeah. to get geeky sometimes. So. Opening up the terminal and typing NSLOOKUP, all as one word, space, and then the IP address will give you the reverse lookup on that IP, i.e. the name of, of, of that address. And usually the name of the address is associated with something like, you know, for example, mine here at, uh, 
at, at TMO Towers East. I'm on Comcast, and it's, you know, C dash, and then my IP dot HSD1 dot NH, because I'm in New Hampshire, dot Comcast dot net. And so stripping everything out except the last one, it's Comcast.net. And so that's, that's how John found what he was looking for. That's with NS Lookup. Mm-hmm. Dig will not give you that. Uh, I think host might, and I'm trying it right now, live. Yeah, host, in fact, gives you exactly what you want. So host space the IP address, and it'll give you exactly what you want without all the extra fluff. So, Yeah, I'm looking at Dig, huh? Dig, Dig's a great tool, and if you want to find out mail server addresses for people and domain name servers for any given IP and all that stuff... Dig is fantastic because it's so customizable. You can type, you know, dig MX and then either a, a um, an IP address or a t- really with, with for MX, it, that pulls up the mail exchanger record or their mail server. And so you type dig, you know, MX and then Comcast.net and that'll give you all of Comcast mail servers, uh, at least for incoming mail. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know. All right. It, yeah, it's fun. SOA will give you state of authority, start of authority, rather. Um, yeah, and I know you do a lot of uh, that sort of thing. I really don't get uh, intimately involved in setting up. Uh, it can be quite intimate. And name servers and stuff. Yeah. Intimate, and we're all about being intimate. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay, so that's about all I have on the uh, vacation front. But uh, hopefully, you. Uh, we got some useful tips for our listeners. Yeah, that was great. I mean, we, you know, out in the I, I, wild. We've once again, of course, thrown away the agenda, but but uh, it, it for for good measure. I sent it to you. No, but I've thrown it away. We, we we're doing fine without it, right? Why do I do? Yes, we are. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but but there are some things to go through throughout the week, and then and then uh, that, that, that happened throughout the week. Uh, some comments you folks sent in, some things that have happened uh, in our world here, in the podcasting world in general, or at least in terms of us. And, and then we've got a. I actually have a plea for help, so please do listen through because I I, I need some help here. Um, not not that kind, John. I can see you snickering over there. Anyway, I need that kind of help too, but I, I'm not expecting that from any of you. It's just too much to ask. Anyway, uh, the first thing I want to do is thank um, CC Chapman of Accident Hash, uh, the Accident Hash podcast. Who in CC does uh his his podcast focuses on indie music and i also want to thank adam curry of the daily source code um for, for both playing an audio comment that i uh, sent through this week it 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 really wasn't meant to to promote what we're doing here um it was simply a, a comment and i'll let you listen to their their podcasts I, I believe it was cc's from the 4th of august and adams from the 3rd i know it was adams number 219 and i can't remember what podcast it was of cc's but uh I, I believe it was his from the uh, from the fourth. In any event, I sent, I'd sent a comment through about how uh, podcasting had actually impacted my life uh, in in my leisure time. We my wife found a band on on CC's podcast, and we actually planned a date night out and went to see him and all this stuff. And I was just sitting in this bar thinking how cool it was that wow, we're here because of a podcast. And so I sent a comment through, and I just wanted to say thanks to both CC and Adam uh, for for not only playing the comment, but for the kind things that they uh, they had sent back to me and, and that sort of thing. So thanks, guys. Um, well, last week we talked about a couple of things. Uh, one of them was screen capture in Mac OS X. And John had indicated that he thought there was a way to do a screen capture of just an object. 
And I said, well, I didn't think there was. Well, as it turns out, John was right. And thank you for everybody that, that wrote in. I, I, Mike, Holly, Ryan, uh, Neil, and I know there's others, and I'm just not finding them on my list here. So I need to fire my producer. No, anyway. <laughs> um, producer? Yeah. We have a producer? What's that? We have a producer? No, we don't. That's why I can't fire him. <laughs> Uh, Neil actually, Neil Neil Perick actually wrote in uh, and and had a and I hope I'm saying your name right, man. I know we've known each other for years and and we've never had to pronounce one another's names. So uh, my apologies if I say your name wrong. I do appreciate all the comments, the IMs, everything. It is valuable information. And, and what Neil took the, the great detail and time to uh, to write that of course Command Shift three takes a screen capture of the full screen. Command Shift four. Gives you the selection box like we talked about. You drag, and when you let go, the screen is the, whatever you've dra- whatever you've dragged around is captured. Command Shift Four, and before you drag anything, if you hit the space bar, that will toggle you back and forth between the drag bullseye and a camera. It looks like a picture of an old Kodak camera. If you float that camera over various objects, and objects can be windows, it can be the dock, it can be the menu bar, anything, any one object. And you can take its picture just by clicking once with that camera. Uh, so if you want to take screen caps of multiple objects, that's when you need Snaps Pro, which is what we talked about last week. And, and Snaps will also do things like putting borders around them and drop shadows and all that good stuff, which OS Ten just doesn't do out of the box. Um, now, Neil also goes in and points out that if you have Caps Lock down, it won't save your screen cap to, to, the, to the disk it will actually save it to the clipboard. And then you can paste it into Preview or whatever other program you want. Preview's nice because you can then export it in whatever format you like. Tiger currently exports in PNG if you just if you don't have caps locked down. But there is a command you can type in the terminal. And that command into change whatever into whatever format you want. And the command, and I'll find a way to put this in the show notes because it's, it's valuable, is defaults space right space com.apple.screencapture space type space and then the image format, be it JPG, TIFF, PNG, PDF. I don't think it'll do GIF because, you know, CompuServe would sue them or whatever, but you can try it and see if it works. So. <laughs> Right? Wasn't CompuServe going so happy years ago about that? And they still are. Right? Because it's their format. So. Yeah. And they were going to sue everybody on the, on the web that was using GIF. Isn't that that's crazy? I mean, come Yeah, on, it was folks. using some compression scheme that I think they had uh, passed. Yeah. Was it CompuServe? I don't think it was. I, 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 don't I, don't I think GIF who is, it was. GIF is, the CompuServe, is CompuServe's format. Yeah. Okay, there was sure. a, I'm sorry. There was another one about JPEG, and that came up because of the compression right. uh, algorithm that right. they use. and. So you know, every time you know, you, you know, that's a nice thing about the internet. Anytime you have somebody doing, you know, swift move like that, yeah, they take them uh, down. Community uh, takes them down and comes up with something like PNG, which is uh, right. the next generation. So you got it. Uh, <laughs> uh, one other thing from last week was carbon copy cloner. You want to you want to take this one, John? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, as we found out, so so I was talking about you know various backup schemes and carbon copy cloner is great, but it seems that. Under uh, 10.4, under Tiger, it didn't work, and this was confirmed on the web page, at least at one point when I checked that. But when I checked again, we had numerous folks. I don't have them in front of me right now. Stuart. Uh, in front of me Stuart was ah, one of them. Good. Right. Um, and Christopher also wrote in about uh, Carbon Copy Cloner. 
great you got that in front of you. And yeah. uh, and if so, and if we forgot anybody else, uh, just we're, we're firing our producer uh, right away. <laughs> uh, Duncan wrote in about carbon copy cloner, so you know. Excellent. We'll fire him twice. So. Um, <laughs> we, we, isn't it Tom Stafford? Isn't he the producer of the show? I thought he was our proofreader. Yeah, yeah. well, he's that too. We gotta talk. Okay. Oh, and Charles wrote in uh, just yesterday with, about carbon copy cloning. Excellent. Too. Okay. I did. Uh, yeah. The pre- Where did the note? Anyways. So um, it, it works in 1042. Uh, apparently, there was a change in the uh, t- uh, some, you know, Tiger Core authentication. Uh, piece of software or API that they uh, monkeyed with a little bit, but it sounds like they unmonkeyed it because the stuff works again. So, and hey, hey, there is something else that got unmonkeyed with 10.4.2 that's totally unrelated to what we're talking about here, but one of my favorite things, and that's TiVo Desktop. And the latest oh. version of TiVo Desktop, though TiVo doesn't say it yet, um, it actually does work just fine. Whatever they broke with, with Tiger is now fixed in 10.4.2 for, for that as well. So, Okay, excellent. Because normally, I mean, I generally support monkeys. I think you do too. Yeah, I, I definitely, absolutely. But every now and then, unmonkeying something is good. Unmonkeying something. <laughs> yes, they did unmonkey that. Is that. Did I actually use that term? I believe I believe I did. Fire uh, the producer. Maybe. Okay. It, it must have been a line he fed me. Yeah. Okay. So where are so, we at here? We've we've burned the uh, the agenda. And, burned the agenda. Uh, yep. And we've talked about a couple of things. Oh, I, I'll give him my plea now. Okay. Uh, your plea. I've thought about bringing this up every week and every Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening when I come into my office here to get ready for the podcast, the problem mm. seems to be gone. And I think, oh, whatever I did last to try and solve it worked and I'm good. And then Monday morning I sit down at my desk and it's still all foobar and I'm, I'm screwed, right? And my problem is this. And this has happened since I upgraded to Tiger. Mm-hmm. consistently on two machines. I, now, it's the same user folder. I had one PowerBook. It's a, had a 1.25 uh, G4 PowerBook. I have upgraded in the last month to a 1.67 G5 PowerBook, both 15-inch. Migrated my user folder over with the up, you know, migration utility, yada, yada, yada. So it, it could be something in my user folder. It could be an app I'm running. I don't know. My problem is this. Every Carbon app that I have... Not all at the same time, but individually at some point in time, usually a number of hours after they are launched, starts to slow down like crazy when I'm either moving through things or typing, and it has to do with text. If I look at the activity monitor, I see a program that's a system program called ATS Server going nuts, taking up as much processor time as it possibly can. And it happens when I'm typing or moving Windows. Anytime the machine, the machine has to redraw text. Doesn't happen in Safari. Doesn't happen in Cocoa apps. Only happens in Carbon apps. Now, I've scanned all my fonts with, with, uh, with the font utility. Found no problems. Even went and just turned off all the fonts in my user folder anyway. Moved them out of my user folder anyway. Moved all the fonts out of my system folder anyway. And the problem still happens. Now, of course, it's not happening on my PowerBook over there now because it's Sunday evening. And I'm here to do the podcast, and it's trying to fool me again. But I've thwarted it. See, I got it out. So now, either by getting it out here, the problem truly is solved, or it's not. What could it possibly be, or what could I do to figure out what it is? It's driving me nuts. I have to quit my apps all the time. I, re- I use MailSmith for my mail. Um, I use BB Edit. I use Now Up to Date. Sometimes I use Firefox. Uh, and I've got to quit those. And, f- and I use FileMaker all the time. 
and I've got to quit those apps two and three times a day. And quitting the app and relaunching it get, alleviates the problem. I, I do not need to reboot to make the problem go away. Just quitting the app that's, that's being offensive at that point in time come, comes right back. I can do the same thing, and it works fine for a couple hours, and then the problem repeats itself. So that's it. You know? Wow, that's a good one. Yeah, it sucks, man. You know, um, I, I've gotten to the um, point where I hate my computer. <laughs> I don't know what to do. Yeah, and that's not good. No. It's just one to be. John? Oh, wait. We might, we might have to tell them ATS what's going on. server. We might have to tell them what's going on here. John, John and I actually do this over Skype. And, and there was just a little hiccup there for John. And I think that's the first one, the first big one in 10 shows. So, uh, uh, you know, what can we say? That's how it is. So yeah. what, what, were you, what were you saying about ATS server there, John? Yeah. Well, and for the first time uh, in, in doing our show, I had to pause it there for a second. So sorry about that, folks. John uh, was trying to research something for, uh, for us with this carbon issue and started launching a bunch of apps. And uh, his machine pegged out at 100% and no longer wanted to encode his audio for us. So uh, we paused it while John's machine calmed down and, uh, and we're back. So not that okay. you missed us. So, right? We're back, John? Right? You're still with I me? Hope. Yes, we're back. So Excellent. So what I did before I pegged my machine here and, uh, yeah, caused all that was ATS server. And I've looked this up before. I know I have. And it, it, it occurred to me that that's Apple type services. And I looked it up, and that is what it stands for. So I was suspecting that it's a process that has to do with type. And you mentioned text, so that's what set off that. Oh, up. yeah. Oh, it's definitely related process. to fonts. You know, it's definitely when I'm typing. So Yeah, the thing is, I mean, I just started looking. I mean, one of, one of the sites that I think is great for uh, OS X hints is... Mac OS 10 hints. We love them. We love you, Rob. <laughs> so, uh, and it has a thread on there, so it sounds like it's not something that's uh, unheard of. No. Most of the recommendations are all are revolve around killing the process, <laughs> which sounds like what you're essentially doing. Yes. Also, or, or so it seems there's, I don't know, I guess this is a hungry process and it doesn't go away properly. And uh, Yeah, but why is it only happening on one of the three computers that I use regularly? You know, that that's the question, so... Yeah. Who knows? It's got to be something with my user folder or an app that I'm only running on that machine, and I, I just can't figure it out. So so that's that. Now, you know, we're close to the end here, but uh, there is one other thing I wanted to bring up because this is a geek gab, and there are things mm. that John and I just gab about. And I was going to ask John about this when we ended the show, and I might as well just ask him and you about it. I, uh, My name's Dave, and I'm a geek. No, um we got a program for that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. 12 whole steps, right? Mm. Uh, well, I'm not interested in any of those 12 steps. What I'm interested in is a, a enhancing the uh, the capabilities of my cell phone. And and that means, of course, smashing the one that I have, which is the T616, uh -huh. the Sony Ericsson, and getting something new. And I, I'm really – I want to get something where I can get email on it uh, while I'm traveling or, or when I'm away from the office. And, of course, the BlackBerry is the first thing that comes to mind, but it's not the mm. sexiest piece of hardware out there. And I've been looking at both the Siemens SX66 and its variants, right, because I think there's one for Verizon, although I don't think the Verizon one lets you do Wi-Fi, on it uh -huh. and the and the the SX sixty six, which is what Singular has, lets you do Wi Fi in addition to everything else, and then of course the Palm Trio six fifty. So, do you know anything about these, John? Have you had any experience with any of them? No, I mean I've seen I've seen people with trios, and you know they look kind of clunky. 
Well, yeah. I, I, you know I've, it's not a phone. It's something that's trying to be a phone. I, I've accepted uh, that I'm going to have something clunky. That That's just fine. I, but I need more more power in what I'm carrying with me than, than I have in just a little cell phone. So, well, if any of you have thoughts about that, I would love to hear it because it's just, you know, it's something that's got to happen soon for me. So I'm leaning toward the SX-66. It seems like that's the way to go, but uh, but maybe some one of you will tell me differently, and, and I'd sure appreciate it. So maybe one of you to whom we sent a, a, a Gmail account will, will reply. Yeah, so. we sent out one or two of Oh, yeah, one or two thousand of them, I think. So, the best part is, and thank you, Google. They keep replenishing our our, our you know our, our stock of Gmail accounts to send out. So as long as we don't send out yeah. too many at once, we've always got them. It seems so. Mm-hmm. It, you know, and and, I, and this is in reference to last week's show when when John and I offered uh, to uh, to send out our Gmail account invites to anyone that uh, wanted them. The offer's still open, folks. The offer will always be open as long as we have accounts to send out. So do not hesitate to send a, send a note in asking for one. We're happy to do it. So, And we have something else we'd like to give away. Uh, are you talking about... Well, what's that, John? <laughs> that would just be our thanks for listening. Uh. <laughs> doesn't cost us anything it doesn't cost us anything but you know it, it we we offer it from from the the deepest uh, since most sincerest spot in our hearts thank you very much for listening yeah mm-hmm. very much so i guess that's it right we wrap up now and and uh that's it we're, we're we let them go we've almost gone to 30 minutes so all right well thanks for listening MacObserver.com slash podcast or MacGeekGab.com is the place to go. Also, make sure you visit iPodObserver.com. I'm going to say it every week until you go there, folks. Thanks a lot for listening. Next week, uh, we might talk about some of our favorite hardware. No, we're not talking about the Barca Lounger or the Knit Boxers with the comfy waistband. We're talking about geek stuff, folks. Have a great week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>